Hello, everybody. My name is Tucker Johnson. I'm coming to you today live on the NIMSY live stream. We are doing a pop-up event this time with someone here in-house, Joseph Kubowski, who is the CEO of NIMSY Insights. And we had an interesting session plan today talking about... Um, Hiring salespeople and, you know, kind of one of the standard topics that we, that we, we like to talk about here at NIMSY Insights. So it's going to add some value to you guys. Um, but we're going to add value in a different way today because for those of you that know Joseph Kubowski, you know that, um, he has recently had someone very close to him pass away. And, um, we're going to take today to talk about a lot of the work that she has been doing, um, to preserve the, the history that, that she came from here. And by the way, how many languages does she speak, Joseph? Six languages, I believe. So for exactly. the, for those of you that are out there saying, wait a second, doesn't NIMSY normally talk about language and language services and culture and all of that stuff? Well, we're still talking about it today, but we're talking about it with a twist. Um, Joseph, why don't you give us an intro here? Be, what are we talking about today? Where are we, where are we going with this? Welcome. Thank you very much. Welcome, by the way. I think this is the first time that you've been you've done one of these with me, is it not? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Hi everyone. Good morning, evening, afternoon, wherever you are, whatever you do. Thanks, Tucker, for, for having me and for the idea. It was definitely your idea uh to start talking about my grand aunt, uh, who is very connected to our industry, uh language, uh language industry, because she spoke six languages. Um, but she was also a certified tester for certified sworn translators. <clears throat> she actually tested sworn translators between Slovakian and Swedish. And she did her last test at her age of 82. So um, I so, think, you know, so she was she was no, she wasn't much of an underachiever is what you're saying. <laughs> no, she was. She was was not busy but, till the last days. So sw Swedish, <laughs> Slovakian. What other languages did she speak? Um, she was uh, based in Slovakia. We're going to speak about a town uh, in the heart of Slovakia called Levoča. It's a historical town. But I'll tell you. I'll tell you more later. Um, but her great grandparents moved there from Hungary, so they spoke at home Hungarian. So that's why she spoke Hungarian. But in the old times. Uh, in Czechoslovakia, uh, starting 1918, people would have to study at the grammar school uh, or high school, you would call it in English, uh, two foreign languages. So she studied German and French, other than Latin, of course, because then when you wanted to go to the university, you also needed to know Latin. So these are the languages. And as a modern person living in Sweden for some time, she had to speak English. So there we go, the six languages. But the exciting part is that it was just natural for my uh, great grandparents to speak multiple languages. So they were uh, fans of numbers. So she was uh, a teacher of mathematics. Um, and I would say I would actually uh, connect her very much close to you, Tucker, because you're also a number person, very much interested in in the data and what's going on. But you are in the language industry, right? I am. I, last so, time I checked, I am. <laughs> despite despite multiple escape attempts i'm still here <laughs> excellent but let me give you let me give you the story why do i want to do this and why do i find it important to talk about her and i just want to say thanks for everyone who's joining and and for all the support of my close and far family 
Um, well, my grand aunt was always very depressed that she was one of the very few people who survived the World War II and was not taken to a concentration camp with the rest of her family. And uh, a large number of people, I'm going to talk about it a little, a little later, but large amount of people from her town. There were very few people who survived. And she dedicated at least the last part of her life to make sure that the names of these people don't disappear. So she wrote a book. The book is called Names, Mena in Slovakian. And I want to share the story here. I want to shout it to the world because I didn't manage to do it when she was alive, unfortunately. And I still want to share it out there. And I want to give a little bit of a story in the background story uh, of why is it uh, why is it good and uh, why should you know about it? Awesome. Well, better late than never. <laughs> better late than never. Exactly. So exactly. What I managed where, to do. Where, where what is, I managed to do, though, is that her brother was a famous doctor, my my grandfather, and uh, he definitely deserved a place in Wikipedia because he found a couple of um, uh, cures for different uh, type of medicines. But I won't I won't spend too much time on that. But I did manage to do that on time when he was alive. I managed to uh, generate the Wikipedia page for him. All right. Sorry, well, Renato's been asking you to generate a Wikipedia page for him. So get, get yeah. not, now, now that you're our expert, <laughs> um, <laughs> let's. Right. Wh where the heck is this place? This uh, little town in Slovakia. So uh, we're talking about Czechoslovakia uh, in the 1940s, um, and specifically, this location is Slovakia. And this is next to the Carpathian Mountains, uh, and the town is called Levocha. The interesting part, uh, the interesting story uh, about this town is that it is actually located on the uh, path, not uh, not a Silk Road, but the path road. At this time, when they were traveling and transporting most of the uh, you know uh, uh, Baltic. Um, productions and and stuff over to the European uh, over to the Europe. So that's why that was very you know uh, important location starting twelfth uh, or thirteenth century, uh, where uh, this would be a secure place for all of the um, all of the businessmen that were traveling uh, from the Baltics and bringing the jewelries. Uh, to Europe. So, lots of history. This is one thing that always just baffles me: how much history is in these places. Um, you know, coming from, I thought I grew um, the town that I grew up in was 150 years old, <laughs> right? So, so hearing about this um, is fascinating to me. Yeah, and and thanks. Uh, that's totally true. Um, one of the things that is uh, just to just to let you know, I'm uh, half Czech, half Slovak. I'm a typical Czechoslovakian. During the 1990s, where someone here in our countries decided, oh, we also want to be in the government, but there's not a room. Let's make two countries. So they did two countries. And those people who are just like me, and there's quite a few of us who are Czechoslovakians, they were told, hey, you know, we still haven't decided whether this belongs to Slovakia or Czech Republic. So why don't you go and relocate your place there? It's going to be a little Czechoslovakia for you. So uh, good joke, but sadly enough. Uh, that's where we are. Uh, Good so joke. It would be a better joke if it wasn't for the subject that we're talking about today with the history of yeah. <laughs> the Jews here. So your your grandmother is a Jew, was a Jew? 
Exactly. So she comes from the Jewish uh, community based in Levocha. And this is exactly the main topic that most of the Jewish community was murdered and taken into concentration camp uh, at uh, during 1942. Uh, and the latest ones were still yeah. murdered in 1944. So, so double whammy. So double whammy. So let me let me get this straight. Let me make sure that I'm following along here because <laughs> you've sent me a bunch of links. So your grandmother was a Jew growing up and living in Levolta and which underwent two periods of um, mass incarceration and extermination for, for yes. Holocaust, essentially. And yeah. in the later years of her life, she has dedicated – um, a significant chunk of time to documenting that experience and making sure that those those victims were not forgotten. Did I exactly? Okay, so exactly. I, I am understanding this correctly. Wow, very cool. What's this video you got for me here? Um, I wanted to give you a little bit of uh, an understanding of what place are we talking about, so that okay. you also get the visual contact with the spot. So if you can play the video, so that we understand where we are and how does it look like. Okay, yeah, let's check this out here. Oh, I guess it helps if I start it from the beginning. This un... I'm giving up this whole eyes on me. Call it out like a family Stood up at night time get around I'm not oh. sure if this is the level chat video, Tucker. Oh uh, Lord, was that the wrong video? I think so. It was a very pretty video. But um if you type level chat I think it will pop up. So if you don't mind just Googling it or searching for me on. Yeah. There you go. This um, yeah. This is not the link you sent me for the record. And besides, this might get deleted anyways. YouTube doesn't like it. Slovakia is Slovakia. When we play these As early as 1317. The city became a free royal town with numerous privileges. Kajal Gate is the most beautiful of the three well-preserved city gates. And the 2.5 kilometer long city wall once contained 15 bastions. Levoka eventually became the capital of the region, occupied by the Zipsa Saxons. I would say. I'm just realizing, Joseph, this, this video is nine minutes long. Yeah, yeah, but <laughs> so. I, I think this this gives us already a good picture about how ancient this yeah. town is, yeah, and what was the concentration of it. There's some history. And, there. I, I would like to maybe if you could share the link that I gave you on the Wiki or the Encyclopedia of Jewish Community uh, to and if you could scroll down uh, not to the people that were murdered but all the way down to the business that was happening 
uh, in the town before the World War. Um, and you're going to see that there is actually, there was a huge community, right? You can see that out of all the groceries, you know, two thirds, more than two thirds was actually provided by the Jewish people, right? Uh, the butchers, you know, all clothing, uh, general stores, you know, everything. There was a huge community. Actually, in that time, before the World War II, there was 500 people living in the city, right? Please realize that this is an Asian town, right? They are all living in small houses located in the, in the center of the town and things like that. The, the point that I want to say here that together with the city center, you would also have the surroundings of the town where you would have another 500 uh, people living um, uh, in the town. And the, uh, to get to the point of the book, if you scroll up for me, Tucker, and we are going to see what happened in 1948 after World War II versus uh, 1938, where uh, where people actually moved there. Okay. So where, where, where am I scrolling to? Just a little lower, and there's the first table ah. that shows us that in 1936, in 1930, there were 600 people, right? At the beginning of what we call the First Republic, the, after the, the Austro-Hungarian Empire has stopped uh, and we opened the Czechoslovakia as a republic, there was almost 700 people living. And then during the World War, there were, you know, people were escaping, of course. And in 1940, there was 500 people and most of them were murdered. Uh, the... The, the book shows that the people that were murdered in the surroundings of the town is over 900 and taken into concentration camp. So the, the book, once again, so called people Nate, even from outside the city or yeah, just yeah. from everywhere. Yeah. And this, so, so what we're looking at right now, this is, what is this that we're looking at? So this is this is a Jewish community encyclopedia uh, produced by Yat uh, Yashim, as you can see here. It's it's basically. Um, I hope that my uh, friend um, Anna, who lives in New York and and doing a similar job for the New York community and, and trying to help them out to find out where are my relatives from and what where did I actually where do I actually come from. Uh, these are the different type of communities of Jewish people that are helping the different families to figure out where did my family come from, right? Or who from my family was murdered or died where and, and so on. So this is a basically encyclopedia that's helping us to, uh, to figure out where do we come from and where do we belong. Okay. Thank you. I was wondering because this isn't what your aunt has put together, right? No, 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 it's not. It's not. This is, this is just to, to give you uh, an idea about the, the numbers and, uh, and the dates there. Also, also, we have a comment here. It says, you should be objective since you are an entity serving all the translation industry from all over the world. So make sure to be objective here, Joseph. <laughs> I'm not sure what we've said that hasn't been objective. But, um, yeah, for, for the record, the Holocaust happened. Okay. DM me Excellent. if you have a problem with that. <laughs> okay, so, um, perfect. 
So this is this is the uh, this is the first part. Maybe to be a little bit more objective, let me give you uh, a uh, another information that you're going to find in the book, uh, and that is uh, the age of the different uh, people that were murdered uh, in the in the town. Okay. So we start from um, people who were uh, only two months old. Is this still on the same screen here? Or are you just... No, 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 it's not. It's in the book. Oh, and, okay. And, and as my own was 96 when she died last week or two weeks ago, uh, we don't have an online version. So I'll be sharing uh, some print screens later uh, with anyone who's interested. Um, so we're, we're talking of babies of two months old to uh, people like my great-grand-aunt here who was taken to a concentration camp in her age of 93 years. Um, and uh, of course, I have no idea about how long uh, did she survive. But I do have an information about um, my great-grand uh, uncle, who used to be um, a cabinet maker, which at that time was a really hard work to do, right? A very manual work. And he died to extreme exhaustion after three months. So um, just to give you an understanding of how these people felt and, and what was going on. And I think one of the most important impact on my great grand aunt um, life mission, if I may call it this way, is that her brother, uh, as they call him, Otichko or Otto, in, in English, uh, was taken into concentration camp with his uh, with uh, uh, with his parents because they were not um, how do you call it? It's it's you don't have the same mother. There's two mothers, but the same father. Oh, um, what do you call it in half, English? It doesn't half, matter. Half brother, half, half brother, step so, brother. I don't know. I always yeah. get confused about those two. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, uh, he was taken to the concentration camp with his parents. So this was probably the the closest person. Uh, to Miriam, uh, my grand aunt. Uh, so um, that to give you an insight about what was she focusing, uh, and now maybe we can talk a little bit about the methodology of collecting all the names. Um, so first of all, of course, she was using all the libraries and, and visiting uh, the town hall, but also going around the different uh, the different locations of uh, the uh, the relatives that still survived, who were not directly connected or who were not, you know, children, but um, aunts or, or simply indirect rela relatives of those who were murdered and collecting all those names after a couple of dozens years. So this was just like a, literally just like knocking on doors, asking for stories, like hunting people down um, exactly. kind of situation here. Um, exactly. Wow. Lots of work, lots of work. Let's, um, we have this. So, um, to move I, us along here. We <laughs> already started to talk a little bit our, about our family and yeah. uh, started sharing the experience to kind of get a little bit into the, the moment and, and sense uh, what was going on at that time. I already said that although it was typical for my family members uh, to speak multiple languages, um, and I 
thing in our region, in the Central Europe, it is actually quite typical to speak multiple languages still, um, but they were interested in numbers. So my great-grandfather uh, was an accountant. And because uh, the German community in town still needed accounting, um, they decided to pull him back from the transport to the concentration camp. So they pulled them all back and they kept them in town back in 1942, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, so they could stay there. But um, then um, his brother actually returned back from, I don't know, do you call in English partisans as well? Those who fight, who are not official army, but they fight in the forest with, uh, with, the, with the soldiers, partisans. Uh, we have many okay. names. Basically, okay. <laughs> not a I think of militia. Uh, militias? Like local uh, militia is a loaded yeah. word, though. Here it, wouldn't be, it would be different, but it doesn't matter. So okay. it was basically a community of people who put them, their forces together and they started fighting against uh, the, uh, the Nazis back then. Got it. So he, turned, he returned back knowing that there is another transport going to happen. And he pulled the family out of the town. So uh, the parents of my grandfather and my grand aunt, and they escaped to the forest. And I wanted to share the, the picture there, uh, Tucker, if you could. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and if you scroll a little bit down, you're going to see that there are quite high mountains over 3,000 meters. I don't know how many that, how much that is in inches. Tucker, oh, 3,000 meters. Is, this is just how high picture. is that? Um, 3,000. It's high. <laughs> okay, so this is this is where they've been hiding uh, back in 1944 uh, for some time, uh, digging holes in the ground in the forest um, and hiding themselves in it. Luckily, the uh, luckily the Nazis didn't find them, although they were a couple of times standing right on the on the roof of their um, of their cave. Let's call it. Wow. What is what is very interesting to say, though, is that there has been this family who's been risking their lives, although they didn't have to. Um, typically, like farmers right in who lived right in the forest, who had their mill uh, close to where my uh, family was hiding, and these people literally saved their lives by giving them food constantly and by hiding them during the the deepest winter uh we're talking not siberia here but we're still talking good minus 10 minus 20 degrees celsius sure. um uh so this family is going to be um uh, getting uh, a prize from uh slovakian president this autumn and from the um Embassy of Israel uh, for officially supporting people in extreme life situation and uh, for saving people uh, taken into concentration camps. Nice. So um, once again, uh, it may sound like I'm standing out here to tell a short story about my my family and my aunt, but as you can see, this definitely has a broader impact nationwide and international wide. Um, so. Um, without those people, of course, um, it wouldn't be possible uh, to survive. 
So uh, the, the shout out, shout out doesn't go only to those who survived, but to especially to those who help these people um, to, uh, to stay there. Awesome. I, I, I'm speechless just because I, I mean, normally I dominate these live streams just because I have so much to say about so many different things, but this isn't, you know, this is a, well, first of all, this is, this is a subject that deserves a certain amount of reverence <laughs> and reverence is not something that I've known for. Um, so I, I'm trying to keep my mouth shut, but I'm just, I'm just amazed at like these, you hear these stories and um, it, it's very, you know, knowing you, you know, and it's like, oh, this is an actual family members. This isn't, you know, this is very different talking to you than it is watching, watching the very historically accurate documentary Inglorious Bastards, right? <laughs> right. It's like actually. Sure. And, and I apologize if I'm kind of speaking from my memories instead of really doing a proper research about the data and the, oh, and the yeah. numbers. And this isn't a presentation. This is a podcast. Exactly. This is not a presentation. This is something that I always wanted to do. Uh, I wasn't on time with delivering it, and I didn't want to wait anymore and just shout it out there. Um, so um, I would say what is, what is important for us uh, to... Uh, keep in mind, uh, most importantly, is the message that my uh, that my grand aunt uh, was always kind of putting in all of her books. By the way, there's a there's a second book she wrote, which oh. is called uh, For Freedom. Okay. Um, and that, uh, in a mathematical order, speaks about the history of the Jewish nation. In a mathematical order. Exactly. That's that's how she specifically called it. Uh, so you're going to find, you know, the very specific dates, what happened when, and uh, including the math and really putting uh, not uh, not those that we not those topics that we like to speak about, but those that have practical ground that have the real insights um, in the in the story. So um, this is a second uh, book she uh, she wrote, she put together. I think I'd and, like your I think I'd like your end. <laughs> and what I what I wanted to say is that, you know, the, the most important message, and I would even say the final takeaway from my uh, grand owned would be that the human life is more important than anything else. Right. And we take it as obvious these days. Uh, we do uh, in Europe. We do it in the U.S. Uh, we do it in the some of the Asian countries. Uh, but is it really the case? Do all of us realize the importance of that? And I would just say one more message that she always wanted to share with everyone. Everyone, it's not only about the human life, it's about the human dignity, and it's about the human equality, right? So all of us having the right to say whatever we like, taking circumstances and uh, what's going to happen to you, but respecting the right um, for the others to speak about. Here, here. Well, this has been, I, I think this is a, a lovely tribute to the work that, that your aunt has been doing. Um, talk to me a little bit about, if anyone's watching this and wants to find more information, um, what can they do? What should they do? Where should they go? What are some of the greatest resources available out there? 
Sure. So um, there is, and I hope we have some people from the Jewish community in Kosice, which is the biggest town now in Eastern Slovakia, um, good friends of ours. Uh, who definitely have good amount of, of these books and, and can distribute and, and share, or just feel free to reach out to me. Um, I can simplify my email. Uh, you all know that we're part of Nimzi, so my email is joseph at nimzi.com. Easy busy. And, me, and, uh, and I'll be happy uh, to share it uh, to share it with you. Well, very good. Any, anything else before um, before we wrap this up, Joseph? Can I, start? Um, I, I think I said everything I wanted to say. Yeah. So. I, I think this is this was this is nice. Thank you so much, Joseph, for for coming on. I know when we we talked about this earlier, it was like oh, let's let's go talk about it. Let's let's get the message out there. And this this recording is going to live on in perpetuity um, on all the different platforms. So this is if you're watching this, like I said when we started this, we're doing something a little bit different today. Normally we don't talk about such things. Normally we're more focused on the language services, localization, globalization, business, all serious talk and stuff like that. But sometimes it's important to sit back and just kind of remember that um, this is what it's all about, right? Human life, respecting human life, respecting human dignity. And I don't know. I can only speak for myself, but kind of helps me to put my um, put my life in perspective a little bit. The fact that I didn't have childcare yesterday suddenly becomes much less life-altering. Exactly, exactly. I think from all of the rush that we all live in and and um, not spending enough time with our families, with our beloved, you know, uh, there is time to sit down and realize that things can be much more difficult and uh, we should be happy for what we have. Agreed. Well, Joseph, go spend some time with your family. Thank you so much for doing this with me, and we will talk to you soon. For all of you out there, we'll see you next time. Thank you. Thanks for your time. And thanks for the idea, Tucker.